Well, good morning again. Great to uh, be with you this morning. Um, if you've got a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 1. And uh, this morning we're beginning a new sermon series called The Unknown God, where we're going to be looking at the person of the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, one of the, uh, the realities in the, in the world we live in is that many Christians are confused about who the Holy Spirit is. And uh, my hope over the next six weeks is to bring a lot of clarity to that issue. And one of the mistakes I think we often make is when we kind of talk about the Holy Spirit, we begin in uh, Paul's epistles and First and Second Corinthians, and we start asking all of these questions about uh, what's allowed and what's not allowed, and what does this mean, and, and uh, does the Spirit still work in these ways? And uh, a, a much better place to start is in the Gospel of John, because in the Gospel of John, Jesus tells us who the Holy Spirit is. And so uh, that's really the foundation. Uh, and, and whatever we go on to discover about the Holy Spirit in Paul's epistles, uh, obviously has to be consistent with what Jesus says about who the Holy Spirit is. And so we're going to begin our study this morning looking at um, the testimony of John the Baptist as Jesus comes to be baptized by him in the Jordan River. So if you would stand with me. If you are at home, in your pajamas or wherever, uh, whatever you happen to be <laughs> wearing, <laughs> now stand with me as we give our attention to God's Word. John 1, starting in verse 29. The next day, he, John the Baptist, the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him. And he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and borne witness that this is the Son of God. Would you pray with me? Oh God, would you make um, yourself known to us this morning as we give our attention to your word. We pray in Jesus' name, by the power of your Spirit. Amen. Amen. Be seated, please. Over the past couple of weeks, I've noticed as I'm probably spending more time on social media than uh, would be ordinary, I've seen all of these pictures kind of popping up, these memories of uh, my kids when they were uh, when they were younger. And one of the, the, the memories that popped up and I was reminded of was uh, uh, an experience that I'm sure uh, we've all had. You know, we've, we've all, all of us who are parents and have played this game with our kids. And uh, even if you're not a parent, you surely as a, as a kid play this game with your parents. And uh, it, it's a simple game, it's hardly even a game, but it's the game of peekaboo, where, where a parent comes and you cover your face and then you pull away your hands and you say, peekaboo, and the child, your son, your daughter, uh, just laughs and laughs and is filled with joy. And you get these, you know, just great belly laughs from these little kids. And uh, I was thinking as I was looking at these, these memories this last week, I uh, was wondering why in the world 
is uh, this, why in the world does this simple game bring such joy, such delight, such laughter? Is it not because when we're playing peekaboo, what's happening is the face of someone we love is being revealed to us? And as a parent, um, as you're playing peekaboo, you get delight in seeing the joy of your child who is delighting in you. Today as we begin a new series looking at the person of the Holy Spirit, my hope is that something like that will happen to us. That the face of someone we love will be revealed to us. Because when we consider the Holy Spirit, what's happening is that God himself is showing himself to us. The face, as it were, of God, someone who we love, is being revealed to us, and we are coming to see God more clearly. And just as a parent takes joy in seeing the joy of their child, so I believe God takes joy in seeing his children, us, find delight in him, smiling because we know our God more clearly. It's pretty clear, isn't it, that when we come to talk about the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of misunderstanding. There are a lot of questions. Um, As Christians, we believe, of course, that God is a trinity, that there is one God who has existed eternally in three persons, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We confess faith in the Holy Spirit, and yet I think many of us are very confused about who the Holy Spirit is. We say that we believe in the Holy Spirit, but if he pressed us much further than that, it would be hard to answer the questions about what exactly we believe about the person, the work, and the nature of God, the Holy Spirit. For some, Christians are uh, you know, charismatic uh, brothers and sisters. They tend to place a lot of emphasis on the Holy Spirit. And so we often, when we think of the Holy Spirit, we kind of immediately begin to think of these things like the the, the power of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, or uh, the gifts of prophecy and and speaking in tongues. And we maybe sense that perhaps some Christians have a greater experience of the Holy Spirit than we do, and we're not really sure what to make of that. Others of us perhaps kind of move in the opposite direction. And maybe in an overreaction, we seem to say very little about the Holy Spirit. Sure, we, we believe in the Holy Spirit. We believe that the Holy Spirit exists and that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. But even just talking about the Holy Spirit starts to make us feel a little bit nervous. And so it's often been said that the Holy Spirit is the forgotten member of the Trinity. But I would like to suggest that the problem is not that we've forgotten the Holy Spirit. The issue is that we don't know who the Holy Spirit is. It's not that we've forgotten about Him. We know He exists. We just aren't incredibly sure who He is. We have some sense, I think, of who God the Father is. Uh, You know, we can can imagine um, the existence of God the Father. Um, it's, It's probably even easier for us to get our minds around who Jesus is, that Uh, In his incarnation, he took on a body, he lived on earth, and though he was a human being, he is also a divine person. But when we think of who God the Holy Spirit is, things seem a lot fuzzier, don't they? Uh, Who is the Holy Spirit? What sort of a person is he? What is his uh, character like? What is his nature? 
Uh, how do we come to know him? And what sort of difference does he make in our lives? And so over the next six weeks, we are going to consider what Jesus tells us in the Gospel of John about who the Holy Spirit is. And so what I want to do in this sermon this morning is sort of uh, just take a broad overview of what the Bible tells us, kind of the whole Bible against the backdrop of John 1, uh, what this tells us about who the Holy Spirit is, and then in subsequent weeks we'll dive into some more detail as Jesus uh, describes to us the, the work of the Holy Spirit in John 14 and John 16. So this morning, the question I want to ask very simply is this, who is the Holy Spirit? And what I want to invite you to discover with me is this, that the Holy Spirit is a person who shows us what God is like. And those are the two very simple points on my outline this morning. The Holy Spirit is a person that shows us what God is like. So first of all, the Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. Maybe one of the reasons that we tend to be confused about the Holy Spirit is because of the word spirit. Uh, Jesus, in his incarnation, as I said, took on a body and, uh, and still ha- has a body. And so we, we can understand that, um, you know, what, what Jesus is like and God the Father, again, we can understand him as a person. But what or who is this mysterious person called the Holy Spirit? Um, or, you know, depending on your age and your background, uh, if, you, if you grew up reading the King James translation, you know, it might even become more murky as you think about who is the Holy Ghost? What, what is this, uh, this creature? In the Old Testament, the word spirit uh, is the word ruach. Uh, the word in the New Testament, in the Greek, is the word pneuma. Pneuma. I don't know how exactly to pronounce that. There's a silent P. <laughs> it's like pneuma. Pneuma, right? Like pneuma. Um, but in both the Hebrew Old Testament and the Greek New Testament, the word for spirit is the same word that also means wind or breath. And, uh, and, and there are some places where it's, it's not entirely clear if, if, the, if the writers are talking about you know, the wind or they're talking about the spirit that blows. Um, but what is the reality that God is a spirit, that, that the Holy Spirit is a spirit? What does, that, what does that mean, and how does that actually help us understand who the Holy Spirit is? What I want you to see is that the word spirit, um, or in Greek and Hebrew, the, the words that mean wind, actually help us to understand the nature of the Holy Spirit. Um, the, the word spirit, or wind, is conveying the idea of powerful movement that moves with great effectiveness. What it's saying is that the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit moves, the Holy Spirit is capable of accomplishing powerfully His purposes. In John 3, it compares the wind that blows wherever it wants to the effective work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit blows, the Spirit moves wherever He wills, and He does so with great effectiveness. But the word Spirit also conveys this idea of who a person is at their deepest level. And we we get this even in human terms. If you had a friend who was in the hospital, and you might go and visit your friend in the hospital and come home, 
and somebody might ask you, uh, how are his spirits? You know, what, what are you asking? You're, you're, you're asking, uh, when you say, how is his spirit? You're saying, you know, beyond just the physical aspects of his condition, uh, how is he doing at, a, at, a, at, a, at the depths of his being? Um, how is he really doing? And so it is with the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit is the way in which God personally expresses himself. Who he really is, his character, his power. It's the expression of God's nature to us in personal form. So when we are seeing, uh, when we are talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about who God truly is. And so in John 1, in this passage that I read this morning, what we see is this, that as Jesus begins his ministry by being baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, he receives a sort of divine seal of approval as the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove. Jesus' work begins with the support of the personal and powerful presence of God's Spirit. He bears witness to Jesus. He confirms the ministry of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit is a person. So much of the time, I think that when we discuss uh, the Holy Spirit, what we want to do is we want to talk about what the Spirit is doing in me. And in the Christian church for the last hundred years or so, much of the conversation of the Holy Spirit has been around what the Holy Spirit is doing in me or what the Holy Spirit is doing through me. But what I want you to hear is that he is not just a force. You know, the Holy Spirit bears no resemblance to Star Wars, right? He's not an impersonal force who just does powerful things. The Holy Spirit is a person. And so the question for us this morning is, do you know him? He is not a, a force to be used. He is a person to be known. The Holy Spirit is a person. Secondly, the Holy Spirit helps us to see God. The Holy Spirit is a person who helps us see God. The Spirit of God is the third person of the Trinity who comes to make us conscious of God's presence. What the Holy Spirit does is reveal to us not just, you know, a theologian is talking about the attributes of God. You know, God is uh, omniscient. God is omnipresent. Um, these kind of details about who God is that are true and yet uh, are just sort of abstract details. Like you might know details about me or another person. Uh, the Holy Spirit comes to reveal to us not just the, the details or the attributes of God, but he actually comes to reveal to us God himself. The Holy Spirit actually reveals God to us in a sense that we can say that the Spirit, when we come to know the Spirit, the Spirit is unveiling the face of God to us. So again, consider uh, the way that we see, I mean, just a brief outline, overview of the way that you see the Holy Spirit throughout the story of Scripture. In Genesis 1 and 2, the Spirit and it is depicted... Uh, is described as the, um, the work of the Spirit is described in creation, as, as the Holy Spirit is said, covering over the formless uh, void, the depths of creation, as God uh, brings um, everything out of nothing, 
And then the earth is this chaotic mess, and the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters, working to bring order out of chaos. In Genesis 1 and 2, it describes the work of the Spirit in the creation of the world as the Spirit hovers over creation. And in Genesis 1, the Spirit is, and this sort of becomes typical of the work of the Holy Spirit throughout Scripture. In Genesis 1, it describes the, the, the Holy Spirit as creating a temple, a meeting place for God to meet with and have fellowship with His creation and especially the human beings that God has created to inhabit and, uh, and dwell in in the earth, the creation that he has created. So you think of in Genesis 1 and 2, it says that Adam uh, walked with God in the cool of the day. It's in the, in the garden, the sort of garden temple, that God has fellowship with human beings. A temple uh, is not a building. A temple is the meeting place, uh, the place on earth where God makes his presence known. And so what the Spirit has done is created a temple. Uh, it's God's intention that we might that we might know him. And so uh, the Holy Spirit creates this garden temple so that we might know God and we might love God and we might trust God and we might glorify God and we might enjoy God forever. One of the next places that we see the Holy Spirit show up is in the book of Exodus. As God has led his people out of slavery in Egypt and through the wilderness into the promised land and as they are uh, kind of crossing the wilderness... God uh, tells through Moses the people to build a tabernacle. And this tabernacle, this tent, is going to be a place on earth where God is going to come down and he's going to make his presence known. And one of the things that it's recorded that the Holy Spirit does is he gifts craftsmen to build a temple that is beautiful. And it's incredible to think about the people of God journeying across a desert, barren wilderness where there's hardly any material at all for them to build this temple with. And the Holy Spirit comes and sort of supernaturally gifts craftsmen to beautify the tabernacle. That the place where God might uh, meet with his people would not be just a bare and empty room, but might be a place that conveys some of the richness and the beauty of who God is. The Holy Spirit brings us into the presence of God through the construction of the tabernacle, and so on throughout the Old Testament. Now, as we get into the New Testament, we see here in John 1 that as Jesus begins his ministry, it's no surprise that the Holy Spirit is present and active. Uh, the Gospels describe, uh, it, it is through the ministry of the Holy Spirit that the humanity of Jesus is conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary. Here in John 1, it is uh, it is as Jesus begins his ministry that the Holy Spirit arrives. John has already told us that uh, in Jesus, God has tabernacled amongst us. He's moved into the neighborhood with us. And the whole ministry we begin to see of Jesus is one that is done as one who is formed by the Holy Spirit. The ministry of Jesus is a ministry of one who is anointed by the Spirit. He is empowered by the Spirit. He is led by the Spirit. He is directed. He is encouraged. And he is equipped by the Holy Spirit. And what we see in this passage itself is that it is John the Baptist who's come as sort of the forerunner of Jesus' ministry. John is actually the cousin of Jesus. And so they would have known each other growing up. 
And John has been sent out into the, the wilderness in the Jordan River to baptize as kind of this, this sign that the Messiah is coming. And he doesn't know exactly what to expect, but he's come, he's been, he's been told by God that the one on whom the Holy Spirit descends and remains is the Messiah. And so Jesus comes out, and as he's coming out to be baptized by John, the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus, and John says, now I get it. This is the one that we have been waiting for. What we see is that the, that the Holy Spirit is with Jesus. He is alongside Jesus every step of the way throughout his ministry. In the fourth century, um, a theologian named Basil of Caesarea, he said this. He said, The Holy Spirit was Jesus' inseparable companion. All the activity of Christ was unfolded in the presence of the Holy Spirit. From womb to tomb to throne, the Spirit was the constant companion of Jesus. It's this beautiful image. Uh, theologian Sinclair Ferguson says, that, you know, it might almost sound trite to say it like this, but the Holy Spirit is, as it were, the best friend of Jesus. Uh, the Holy Spirit is with Jesus, empowering him throughout the entire course of his ministry, the entire ministry of Jesus. I mean, think about this, from his miraculous birth to his, um, you know, even his, his younger years, as we read briefly about in the Gospels, uh, his perfect life, his teaching, his, his miracles, his healing, his, his feeding of multitudes, even his death on the cross and his raising again to new life, the Gospels tell us, is due to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Everything that Jesus did, he did in the power of the Spirit who guided and equipped and encouraged him every step along the way. The Holy Spirit is a person. And the goal of all that he does is to show us what God is like by pointing us to Jesus. J.I. Packer, um, a well-known theologian, has this great illustration where he, he, he talks about this experience of if you've ever been to a, you know, a great, one of the great cathedrals in Europe. And if you go at night... Uh, you, you arrive in maybe the, the center of Paris or another city, and there's this magnificent cathedral, and there are floodlights that are lighting up this cathedral. And uh, the, the, the floodlights enable you to see the beauty of the church building. Now, it would be very strange if you were to go to one of these cities to see this beautiful cathedral, and as you got there, and the floodlights or lighting up the cathedral if you were to then go and admire the beauty of the floodlight. The point of the floodlight is to shine a spotlight on the cathedral, not to call attention to itself. And in the same way, J.I. Packer is telling us that the glory of the Holy Spirit, uh, the, the glory of the Holy Spirit is not seen in calling attention to himself, but rather in shining the spotlight on Jesus, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is all about leading us to Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is a person. And the most important thing about this person, of all of the things that he's done throughout the whole history of the world, is that he was with Jesus throughout the course of his ministry. And he is leading people to see Jesus as he truly is. So let me ask you this. Do you know 
the Holy Spirit? Have you met Him? Have you experienced this person as He has come into your life and led you to the face of God? In the Old Testament, there is this reality that the Holy Spirit is not revealed to everyone. But there's a sense of longing, of anticipation, of a, of a time that would come one day when the Holy Spirit would be uh, sort of not, not hid away in the, in the temple, um, secluded from the people, but, but would actually uh, be available to us, not just to the spiritual elites. And here in, first John, in John chapter 1, John the Baptist seems to have this keen sense of the inadequacy of his own ministry. He says, I'm here to baptize you with water as, as just a forerunner of Messiah. But the one who is coming, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. John has the sense that, that we need God to show up. And so John tells us that everything changes the minute that Jesus came out to be baptized. And as John stood there seeing his cousin come down to be baptized uh, by him, the Holy Spirit descends on Jesus like a dove and remains on him. And John says, this is the moment that we have all been waiting for. Everything is now complete. John goes on to say this. He says, he on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. Not only is he the Messiah, but he says, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. John is saying, I baptize with water, but Jesus is coming, and he will baptize you not just with water, but actually baptize you with the Holy Spirit. We'll look at this in more detail in a couple of weeks. But for now, what, is, what does it mean that Jesus will baptize us in the Holy Spirit? Well, baptism is this rite of initiation. And so to call Jesus the one who baptizes with the Spirit, it means that he is the one through whom we are initi initiated into God's kingdom. Through the life of God, the Holy Spirit. Or in other words, what it means is this, that if you are in Christ, then the same Spirit who created the entire world, the same Spirit who uh, spoke through the prophets, the same Spirit who conceived the humanity of Jesus in the womb of a virgin, the same Spirit who um, attended to the ministry of Jesus, performing many signs and wonders, the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, that same Spirit dwells in you. This is what Paul says in Romans 8, Jason uh, read just a few moments ago. It is the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead that is alive and active within believers today. It's amazing. It's amazing. I was reminded of a... Uh, of a hymn, uh, we don't, I don't think we've sung this at Resurrection of Sea in the past, but um, this, this older hymn says this, Soul that know your full salvation, rise over sin and fear and care, joy to find in every station something still to do or bear. And it says this, think what spirit dwells within thee, think what father smiles are thine, think that Jesus died to win thee, child of heaven canst thou. Replying, think what spirit dwells within you. The Holy Spirit, the very presence of God, is not far off and removed, but He's in you. He is a person who has come to make God known, and you therefore are, are a temple. You are uh, in Christ because God's presence, God's spirit is within you. So let me close with this. 
perhaps the greatest danger today for Christians, uh, perhaps the greatest danger for Christians today is understanding uh, the Bible and the truth about who God is in light of our own experience. Of course, it's good to uh, be thoughtful and aware of what we are experiencing, and yet we live in a world now where we are tempted to, to say, I'm going to take my experience and I'm going to judge the Bible according to it. This is especially true, isn't it, when it comes to thinking about the Holy Spirit. But we have to learn to kind of reverse that order and actually bring our experience to the Scriptures and allow the Scriptures to interpret to us what we're experiencing. And so that's what we're going to do over the next six weeks as we look at what the Bible says about who the Holy Spirit is. As we do that, there are two temptations. The two, the two dangers of placing our experience over the Scriptures, and they look like this. There's the one temptation to rush beyond what the Bible has actually said about the Holy Spirit. Uh, to, to, to kind of in fanaticism, to say more than we can actually say based on what the Bible says. But there's an opposite danger as well, and I think for resurrection of seed, this might actually be the greater danger. And the danger is this. Some of us are prone to think much less of the Holy Spirit than Scripture uh, invites us to do. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now at work within us. So let's not underestimate what God, by His Spirit, might do in our midst. As we live in this time of uncertainty, as we live in this time wondering what the next few weeks will hold, as we live in this time where everybody has an opinion, everybody's got a plan, everybody's got a critique, perhaps the invitation to us is not to opine about what should or shouldn't be happening, or to live with anxiety about what the future holds, but rather to look with faith to the God who has come into our presence in Jesus and who makes himself known to us by the power of his Spirit. God is at work. The same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is now at work within you. There is great cause for hope, friends. Let's pray. Oh God, would you meet with us? We thank you, Father, for your purpose and your plan. We thank you, Jesus, that you have come into our midst to accomplish our salvation. And Holy Spirit, we thank you that in your gentle wisdom, you powerfully apply the work of Jesus to us. And so as we live in uncertain times, would you help us to be aware of your presence, that we might keep in step with you, O Spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.